Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, October 31st, and this is your FT News Briefing. Brazil will have a new president. He's a bit of a familiar face. Russia pulled out of its deal to allow Ukraine to export grains. Wall Street lenders might not be celebrating the big Twitter buyout, and banks are starting to pay you more for your deposits. People want your cash now. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva claimed a victory in Brazil's presidential election yesterday. He defeated right-wing incumbent Jair Bolsonaro by less than two percentage points. Lula, as he's called, served two terms as president between 2003 and 2010, but he also served time in prison for graft before his convictions were annulled. It's unclear, though, whether Bolsonaro will accept the results and leave office quietly. In the run-up to the election, he claimed that it was rigged against him, but on Friday, he said he would respect the outcome. We'll have more analysis on Brazil's election with our Latin America editor, Michael Stott, in tomorrow's show. Russia has pulled out of a deal to allow millions of tons of grain to leave Ukrainian ports and onto global markets. Price of grain shot up more than 7% after the news, and experts say it could lead to catastrophic consequences for poorer nations, many already facing acute food shortages. The FT's Emiko Terrazono says the deal was due to expire next month. And a lot of traders and analysts were expecting Russia to not extend it, but they hadn't expected Moscow to pull out before the deadline. Emiko, are there any efforts to keep this deal alive? Well, they're talking at the moment. Turkey is talking to the Russian uh, government at the moment. So we'll have to see where it goes. But the fact that it has ended prematurely um, does send a lot of uh, pessimism among um, people who had hoped that um, the deal would be extended and also hence easing food security and, and also grain prices. Okay, and remind us of Turkey's role in all this. Uh, What kind of stake do they have? Turkey has a huge grain processing industry, and it's acted like an intermediary for Black Sea grains, including uh, wheat from Russia and also Ukraine. So that, that industry has suffered. But also Turkey itself lies on wheat from Russia and Ukraine. So this war has really impacted um, Turkey's inflation rates, especially on the food side. Emiko Terrazono is the FT's commodities correspondent. Elon Musk finally consummated his $44 billion deal to buy the social media site Twitter. The big question is, who's going to benefit? Musk himself wanted to back out of the deal. Twitter forced him to follow through, though. Musk's first move after acquiring the company was to fire top executives. Twitter employees are bracing for layoffs. And the folks who finance Musk's deal, several top Wall Street banks, they're saddled with $12.5 billion in debt they don't really want. Here's our U.S. markets editor, Eric Platt. And one thing people uh, should really understand is while banks lend to companies all the time and they really love to be kind of providers of bridge financing for these deals, they actually don't want to be holding the debt themselves. They 
go out to you know big hedge funds, big mutual funds, asset managers, and they ultimately raise the cash from them to finance the debt package. Uh, and the reason for that is there's a lot of regulatory capital buffers that they have to maintain. And so these deals, because they're quite risky, they don't actually like to have on their balance sheets. And a lot has happened since banks agreed to help Elon Musk finance the deal. Interest rates have gone up and tech stocks have plummeted, especially social media companies. This loan that they've written to Twitter, it's rated junk. Uh, it's very risky, which means the capital the banks have to hold against it is much higher than any other lending they might be doing. And so because of that, it, it actually it uses up a lot of the bank's balance sheet. Now, Eric says, Wall Street bankers are under pressure to offer heavy discounts on their Twitter debt to get it off their balance sheets. And lenders, including Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, and Barclays, face losses on the Twitter financing package that could top a billion dollars. And so the banks are going to have to just kind of stomach these losses for a little bit. They're paper losses, and they're going to have to decide whether or not they want to keep holding them and, you know, earning a nice interest rate from Elon, or if they actually want to get them off their balance sheets and selling them into the market. The problem is, for a portion of the Twitter debt, the market is really closed right now. Um, the banks would have to take such a significant loss on the debt that it doesn't really make sense for them to sell it just yet. And so kind of what will be playing out across these investment banks is a question of how do you balance the pain of holding this debt with kind of the pain of taking a loss at some point. Um, and so they will have to make that decision of when you know, they think, OK, the market's gotten a little bit better. Let's try to sell this on to other investors. That's the FT's U.S. Markets Editor, Eric Platt. Do you remember a time not so long ago when banks, especially Swiss banks, dropped interest rates on short-term deposits so low that they were essentially charging customers for the privilege of holding their cash? Money market funds, well, they paid next to nothing. Now, the FT's Brookmaster says, the tables are turning and cash is cool again. I got an email from J.P. Morgan Chase saying, send us your money. We'd love to have it. And so they're boosting up their rates. They're offering teaser rates where if you, you know, if you set up accounts that put in a bit a certain amount of money, you get better you know, uh, interest rates on them. People want your cash now. And the banks are doing this because central banks have boosted their rates. Which means that the, the banks then can charge more for things like mortgages and corporate loans. And so... What they want is they want cash that they can then lend out to someone else. And the way they make money, it's called uh, net interest income, which is the gap between what they have to pay to get you to give them deposits and what they can charge you know, me for taking out a mortgage. And in general, as interest rates rise, banks increase the fee for loans faster than they increase the amount of money they pay depositors. So there's this big enormous amount of cash that they can net. And, and you could see it in the bank earnings that are coming through. There is an irony, though. Brooke points out, even as the banks want more cash, a lot of companies don't want to fork it over. They think that they have better options. Um, so big companies are actually not giving it to the banks. They are instead putting it into what are called cash management products, which are money market funds which pay slightly better rates, and they tend to respond more quickly to rising interest rates so you can get more money. Some of them are even buying bonds because the prices of bonds reflect interest rate changes faster, again, than any of the other things. 
And the other thing they're thinking is, okay, I now have a valuable commodity. Do I really just want to hold it anymore? Should I instead use it to give it back to my investors? Or do I want to invest in improving my supply chains? And in today's uncertain world, another thing companies are doing is instead of holding cash as a safety zone, they instead are having larger inventories. And that, of course, ties up money because if you're holding things that you have not yet sold, that's money that you've tied up. So cash piles are actually shrinking even at the point when the banks want the money. That's the FT's U.S. Investments and Industries editor, Brooke Masters. Chinese workers have been fleeing the world's largest iPhone factory. This after lockdown measures were put into place to contain a coronavirus outbreak. The exodus is from a massive Foxconn plant in the central Chinese city of Zhengzhou. Workers were locked in dormitory rooms and said food and medical supplies ran low. A 22-year-old described the scene in the dorms as chaos and said he jumped two fences to get out of the campus. Scenes of workers tramping down the highway with their bags flooded into Chinese social media. Then, local authorities scrambled to organize buses to send them home and put them in a centralized quarantine. Before we go, that Elon Musk Twitter saga that we were talking about earlier, it has many more chapters yet to come. The FT is hosting a Twitter space about it today at 6.30 p.m. London time, 2.30 p.m. in New York. Join our Behind the Money host, Michaela Tindera, our tech correspondent, Hannah Murphy, and our Wall Street editor, Sujit Indap. That's 2.30 in New York, 6.30 in London. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.